Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. Yes, Katya. Our mother-loving retreat is happening. Are you excited? Oh, beyond excited. The countdown is on February 3rd through 10th, 2020, baby. I also love that it's a full moon. And I love where we'll be. It's the most epic 15 cabana eco lodge overlooking the ocean right here in beautiful Dominican Republic. Mm, Tell me there's an infinity pool. Yep. And amazing food. What about endless tropical fruit and beach time? Oh, yes. And don't forget that while we're there, humpback whales come to birth their babies in Samana Bay, right where we'll be. Oh, my gosh. What should we do the rest of the time? How about nourishing yoga and transformational workshops and dancing, drumming, connecting with Mama Earth? Oh, so good. And the group of women who've already signed up are incredible. So what else? A bunch of surprises and gifts. Like what? Like a yummy massage for every woman. Okay, what else? I'm not telling. Everyone loves surprises. Mother lovin'. Without the G. Retreat.com. I sit down with Samantha Zapora, an educator on body literacy and womb sovereignty, with an emphasis on conscious contraception and pregnancy release. We cover a lot in this episode, focusing on contraception, abortion, and miscarriage outside of the medical paradigm. Please remember that we are not medical providers and nothing in this episode should be taken as medical advice. very excited for this. We've been, uh, it's been a long time coming. And so let's just start with anyone who's not familiar with you. Um, let's just start with a little bit of who you are. Yeah. Um, I am Samantha Zipporah. Hey, yo. Hey. Uh, coming to you live from Boise, <laughs> Idaho. So this is my hometown. Um, I always say that my first doula job was here at North Junior High School when I was 12 years old. And Somebody asked how to put in a tampon (laughs) and I talked her through her anatomy and helped her understand the difference between her urethra, her vagina. Oh, to be a fly Um, on that wall. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure she was comfortable. Yeah. Um, And I, I ended up um, through my debate class still where I'm 12 year old Sam here. I went to a youth lobby training and ended up uh, there was a Planned Parenthood table at this youth lobby training. I ended up volunteering at Planned Parenthood, lobbying with legislature about underage abortion, about abortion oh, access for at folks 12 years 18. old. Uh, in eighth grade, yeah. Wow. Um, and so I've been on this path a really long time. Um, 
it was all tied up with the ancestral trauma and my lineage. Um, but I, I worked at Planned Parenthood primarily as a volunteer and then as a preteen sex educator and as a peer mediator um, throughout my teens. And then one of my best friends got pregnant and wanted to have a baby uh, when I was 19. So I started studying pregnancy and birth and started attending births and thought I wanted to be a midwife. Um, I worked as a professional doula for almost the entirety of my 20s in the hospital systems in Portland, uh, attending a handful of home births. And I was simultaneously teaching fertility awareness classes because I discovered fertility awareness also when I was 19, and I'm super passionate about that. It's um, it's kind of a religious sort of thing for me. <laughs> Ovulation is totally ah. yeah. Um, Ovulation, but I, yeah. I'd always been helping people have abortions and uh, miscarriages as well as giving birth, but I had only ever professionalized hmm. my birth services. Um, well, that's what's allowed, right? That there's a <laughs> right, path laid out for that. Yeah. Right. And so my process of kind of graduating from identifying as a birth doula to <laughs> congratulations. Fully, yeah, to being like, I'm a witch. Um, and I'm a medicine woman. And reorienting like how I feel about earning a living in the market economy, sharing traditional women's wisdom. Um was all tied up actually with sort of coming out of the closet as somebody who supports abortion as well as birth. Mm-hmm. And you mean um, your 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 pro-choice? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, whatever you want to do with your uterus, I want to make sure that you have wonderful education and support mm-hmm. uh, to do what you would like to do with that power. It's really profound. Um, so today I see clients online, I teach online, I have several ebooks, and I, I help with the entire womb continuum is the language that I use, this never-ending interconnected cycle. Um, the term full spectrum is gaining a lot of popularity in the doula and midwifery community, and Um, I feel I'm really passionate about language and etymology and being very specific as much as possible with how I speak. And I feel like full spectrum really uh, implies that there's a finite beginning and end or that they're opposite ends on a spectrum and that abortion is on one side of the Mm -hmm. spectrum well, and it, it is. I mean, so, on the other side of the spectrum, but that's true socially, right? So birth doulas, are just birth doulas. They're not trained in miscarriage, stillbirth, and abortion. They're not leaving their three-day training ready to walk with women in the full spectrum of reproductive experiences. So it's, you know, obviously you already know this, but you know, the, I, yeah. I, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting that we even have to identify as full spectrum because we're really then pointing to uh, the compartmentalization of other women supporting women, you know, who, who have compartmentalized the way in which they will support women. I know so many doulas who would never support an abortion, um, or a free birth, you know, but all day long would go to elective C-sections. Okay. You know, whatever, but that is not a, that is not a full spectrum support person. Right. Well, yeah, the, the compartmentalization, um, 
of our bodies and our experiences, our sexuality, our reproductive health, um, is part of the systems of oppression, right? That like commodifying this very specific skill set of like, I will help you attend hospital births or cesarean sections. And like, I don't know anything about the menstrual cycle. Like, I don't know anything about abortion. Um, I mean, that was always really bizarre to me because of the way that I think and the way that I learn when I was more frequently active as a professional birth worker and going to conferences and professional association meetings and whatnot, that so many birth workers had really horrible experiences with menstruation and didn't know anything at all about fertility awareness. Mm. Um, And that even the ones that were supportive of my work as I started being more public about supporting miscarriage and abortion as well as birth, um, that many like well-established wonderful birth doulas would like see me on the sly and be like how do you do it or they'd call me or text me when somebody was going through it and was like what do I do like how do I doula an abortion and I was like all of your skills right you all of your skills that you apply to birth (laughs) work for this right (laughs) so Uh. yeah I love that you use the term pregnancy release um really early on in our conversation already. And I love to, to lay that out for your listeners um, as some, some healthy language to uh, acknowledge and support this reality that when people have miscarriages and people have abortions, they were pregnant. There was a pregnancy mm-hmm. and it was released. Mm-hmm. And anytime that there's pregnancy, there's profound alchemy, Mm. right? Both physically and spiritually and emotionally. And the process of going through the transformation from being not pregnant to being pregnant to releasing that pregnancy and then having a postpartum period that is actually a held and sacred part of your transformation um, is a lot of the medicine and the perspective that I'm wanting to offer um, and normalize Mm -hmm. that however that pregnancy ends, you were pregnant, you have a pregnancy release. Right. Let's acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge it. We need community. We need education. We need support. Um, and some level of reverence, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are personally, like the alchemy of creating a pregnancy and releasing it is really profound, even if you're just on sort of like the physics, Mm -hmm, Einstein sort of concept of like, fucking energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are conduits for this profound vital life force. Whether we want to be or not. Whether we want to be or not. And like being intentional about the way that we navigate that power and move it through our bodies is healing and healthy. And that's such a perfect segue into the whole intention of this episode together, which is to dive into uh, what uh, contraception and pregnancy release outside the medical paradigm can look like and what it looks like um, in in your work as a as a medicine woman of this of this trade and of the information that you're you're sharing and helping women access. Um, and so obviously it's in total alignment with with this podcast to talk about our options when right. a pregnancy happens 
uh, to us or with us and, and whether we wanted it or we didn't, you know, kind of regardless of our feelings around it, if a, if a loss occurs or if we choose um, to, to do what we can outside the medical paradigm um, to release that pregnancy. And, you know, we don't, we don't even necessarily need to go too far down the rabbit hole of, um, of the truth, which is that until women are able to choose, um, you know, to choose to carry a pregnancy or not, assuming it's viable and that it would biologically, you know, carry, um, women can never be completely free, right? And that women right. wholeheartedly, um, you know, that both of us, I'm sure I could speak for you to say, um, 100% need the access to the wisdom and knowledge um, to have more autonomy over their experiences and over their body and over um, the choice to carry a pregnancy or not. And yeah. so in that, then of course, what we both interact with all the time then is we know women who uh, do not or cannot um, or will not, you know, stay pregnant. And what are their options? You know, if they don't want to go have um, what is so commonly a very traumatic and and very uh, physically and spiritually, emotionally and mentally painful experience in the system, um, you know, and I and I know so many women who kind of have one foot into free birth and one foot out, or or let's just say one foot, or even both feet out of the medical paradigm, mm-hmm. and they don't go to doctors, they don't use the allopathic model, but then when they have a pregnancy that they don't know what to do with, other than go get a surgical um, procedure or go, you know, get get you know pills that would help release the pregnancy, um, mm-hmm. and so that's still an interesting piece here where. Um, yeah, where I think most women, because we don't have that knowledge and wisdom, because it's been so very intentionally and intensely taken from us, um, we're still very trapped by our pregnancies, period, and mm. pregnancy in in the medical paradigm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just for everyone listening who's who's going on this journey with us today, the the centered topic is um, what it can look like to. Um, practice contraception outside of the medical paradigm and to um, encourage pregnancy release outside the medical paradigm. And then if we have time, we've covered miscarriage outside the medical paradigm before, but if we have time, I definitely want to, of course, pick your brain about your feelings. Yeah. Well, I feel um, in speaking about pregnancy release options that include abortion, we are including miscarriage because all of the physiology Mm. education that is needed to handle an abortion is also needed Mm -hmm. to make intelligent, self-directed choices about resolving miscarriages because most miscarriages don't complete themselves fully on their own. Really? I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> right. So that's, that's, a that's why, so I have a, a training for practitioners that it, it's online and then I teach it as well live sometimes, um, that is miscarriage and abortion care because it's the same physiology education. Yes. Many miscarriages do resolve themselves naturally, but um, many people who will experience miscarriage or the beginning of one um, also get sucked into the medical model of right. care and then end up getting what is common in abortion procedures exactly to resolve 
that. Right. And the, the idea that you might use acupuncture or herbs or that you might feel comfortable waiting a handful of weeks to see if your uterus is capable of resolving it on its own um, isn't like the, the fear around death. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> if we don't suck so, out all the pregnancy tissue yeah, right now before yeah. you go home, you're going to bleed out and die. There, I mean, of course, and there are re, there are risks of of infection um, and hemorrhage when you have an incomplete abortion or an incomplete miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but statistically, <laughs> they're not huge. I believe that they're well under ten percent. Um, and, and when you know what also, those things look like, that's then you what can I was just go seek say. medical care when you need medical care. Exactly. And they're so, pretty fucking obvious. Right. And this so, is not rocket science. It is not rocket science. Um, so I just want to place this in context, right? We could, like, studying the anthropology and the ancient civilization sort of stories and narratives of how we navigated fertility and pregnancy um, in different matriarchal cultures is also super fascinating, but I, I want to just place the medicalization of our fertility and pregnancy, whether it be contraception, birth, abortion, miscarriage, all of that, um, firmly in this parallel with the industrialization of agriculture and this reality that there is a fucking paper trail. Yeah. It is not a mystical or mythological, like, gee, how did we end up here in patriarchy, right, right, right. Right. not knowing Whoops. anything and thinking that we have to depend on institutions and bureaucracies and people with. And women with, knowing nothing about Right. Themselves. Like, that is, it's not, right. There's different, right? Patriarchy is how many thousands of years old, but very specifically in the last 100, 150 years, like, there are specific individuals and organizations that benefit from us not knowing how to take care of ourselves, us not knowing how to feed ourselves. That book, um, Nurses, Midwives, and Witches, Mm -hmm. or Witches, Nurses, and Midwives, Barbara Einrich, and I forget the other author, um, is really great to look at. Um, But yes, I... Talking about the sociopolitical and like economic context of how this knowledge got lost could be an entire podcast episode as well. Um, Our fertility is not a disease. Most fertility experiences do not require medical attention. We deserve access to medical care when we need medical care and ovulating and being fertile, um, having an unwanted pregnancy, having a pregnancy loss, having a full-term birth and giving birth. These are not things that are inherently necessary to have medical care for. Right. Um, you and I, that's, that's, we agree on this. Yes, we are of one mind. Um, and so I want to start with just this conversation of like preventative care and contraception, including that in the conversation. And then I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I want to acknowledge that um, while abortion is healthcare, and I see it as a social good and as basic health care, um, ideally, if we do not desire a pregnancy, we would prevent it by not putting sperm in our vaginas when we're fertile. 
um, and being aware of when that fertile window is, which for most people is only three to six days. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to communicate about that and know about that. Having consensual Um, sex. Having consensual sex, acknowledging the fact that with rape culture and like general communication skills around sexuality, um, that even if all of the individuals that ovulate knew when it was that being able to communicate and advocate for their boundaries is not something that is easy for a lot of us or right. available. Men um, being willing to wear condoms, right? There's that whole narrative. Of, right. There's oh, so he much. just hates condoms. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I should say at this point, we do have a whole podcast episode on fertility awareness method you that you can you know, go and listen to if, if, uh, if this is a new concept to you listening to, to this conversation. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I have a get caught up on that ebook. Oh, nice. Perfect. Um, I made a little punk zine with glue stick and scissors when I was oh 19. My God. <laughs> Cute. On when fertility I, awareness method. When I first, yeah. When I Hell first yeah. discovered, I could tell when I ovulated and Amazing. about it. Um, and you can download it for free on my website. Awesome. Um, and then I'm also teaching an online conscious contraception Skillshare uh, that's starting on Beltane on May 1st. Okay. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. It covers anatomy and physiology, the physical symptoms, and then also go into Tao and Tantra and Kabbalah. Cool. And understanding the energy anatomy of fertility and how to mm. work with our hyperdimensional beings to align our physical cool. actions for preventing pregnancy with our spiritual life force. Hell yeah. And it's um, such a good point because, you know, people all the time ask me about conscious conception, but no one really ever asks me about conscious contraception and it's all the same thing. It's all the same. It's all the same. The same tools. And if you want a conscious con- conception, then it's also like wise to be practicing conscious contraception. Right. Because most of the time, right, most of the time you don't want to get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time in your life that you right. Want, the you vast majority of people with right. uteruses on the planet right now would like to avoid pregnancy. Yeah. Most of us. Yeah. And that was like when I was studying to be a midwife specifically. What just I was like, how do I be a contraception or an abortion midwife? Yeah. Like, how do we find this kind of care and support that acknowledges our holistic being um, for the vast majority of our experience having a uterus, which is we do more bleeding than birthing? Mm-hmm. Here's the first piece of anatomy and physiology that is very little known that I wish was common knowledge for those of us who are wanting to avoid clinical and medical care in general which is when you have a conception happen, you're not immediately pregnant. (laughs) Mm. Right. Right? And like, this is talking very specifically about anatomy and physiology. We're not like, what are the spiritual implications of like, when do spirit and matter connect? Uh, That's a whole other really beautiful and fascinating conversation as well. Um, But when the sperm meets the egg, you have what is called a little zygote. It's in the fallopian tube. For almost, I'm going to insert and say... The egg tube. The uterine tube. The uterine tube. Sorry, thank you. Fuck yes. Fallopian 
Yeah. The motherfucker who named our uterus right. tubes after. Not that, fallopian. <laughs> I really appreciate fuck eponyms. Yeah. So um, for anyone listening, we, the new yeah. term is uterine ter- tube. That's what it is. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Or egg I tube. I use okay. egg Yeah, that's cute. That's in cute. My, in my classes. That's um, cute. Yeah. It's also <laughs> new, new view of a woman's body, the uh, Federation of Feminist Women's Health. That's what they use. Mm-hmm, that's uh, cute. The sixties self helpers. But yes, I agree that we should stop using eponyms. And I, that's when you call the anatomy part by whoever supposedly discovered it or named it. And discovered like, it. Go fuck yourself. Moving, yeah, moving all of our gyne terms away from yeah. old white yeah. dead dudes who mm-hmm. said they discovered them and calling them what they are. Yeah. So uterine tube, egg tube. He, he was Italian, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so egg and sperm. Like, ideally, we prevent the egg and the sperm from meeting if we don't want to be pregnant. And I guess to 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 premise this all, because we've kind of been weaving a a a winding path. What I'm going to talk you through right now is options from the accidental pregnancy Mm -hmm. forward, um, as I understand them. Right, and I am not all knowing. I, there might be other options that I don't even know about or understand, um, but what I'm going to share with you is what I would offer to a client uh, if they had a suspected or confirmed unwanted conception or pregnancy. Um, with that, you know, caveat of like, hey, let's avoid pregnancy of course. if we don't want to be pregnant Ideally. and be aware of our cycle and use healthy, conscious methods of contraception. Um, but say you accidentally get sperm in your vagina because these things happen mm-hmm. and the sperm meets the egg. You have a zygote. It's in your, it's in the egg tube for about three days before it even makes it into the uterus. Mm. And then when it makes it into the uterus, it takes an average of another seven to 12 days for it to embed itself into the endometrium and for what is called implantation to occur where that it's been a blastocyst is a technical term where that is actually connected to the maternal blood network. Mm-hmm. So if you are aware of your cycle, practicing fertility awareness, conscious contraception, and you know that you accidentally expose yourself to sperm, you have one to two weeks to interfere with implantation usually. Obviously everybody's bodies are a little bit different, but generally speaking, when you have a conception that doesn't mean you have what I would call a pregnancy and plant medicine is really wonderful and powerful and able to alter our biochemistry and our hormonal makeup really well, if you know what you're doing and there's not a one size fits all, but, um, I, with my own personal body and with my near and dears that I've supported, I have seen a hundred percent success of wow. using plant medicine to inhibit implantation, mm-hmm. which is very different physiologically than having an actual abortion. Right. Totally. You start working with plant medicine before you miss your period during this time period where if the progesterone in your body and your endometrium and the body temperature are not just right you will be able to pass it out of your body. That's amazing. I really love using plant medicine in this way um, as a plan B 
not as contraception, as emergency only, because I think that the menstrual cycle and ovulation are beautiful and wholly important parts of our ecosystems that we need to support and encourage, even when we're avoiding pregnancy. I would never do anything to alter healthy endocrine system unless you're interfering in an emergent situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so plant medicine and, impl- and implantation inhibition, understanding the distinct difference between what an actual abortion is, and in my mind, an abortion is after that blastocyst has embedded itself in the endometrium and connected to the maternal blood network. Right. That's a pregnancy. Then you need an abortion. Mm -hmm. That's not implantation inhibition. Yeah, that makes sense. And even conventional folks like Planned Parenthood suggest that getting a copper IUD is a reasonable way to inhibit implantation. You can always take it out a week or two later. Mm-hmm. That's another conversation. And DIY IUD removal is one of my favorite things to support people through. It's like the most literal womb sovereignty. Yeah, it's not that complicated. Yeah, it's super easy. Okay, so but say that somebody has an unwanted pregnancy at this point. Um, so wait, are, sorry, are we going to get into what those plant yeah. medicines are? Oh, for for so, that period of, you know, there are like literally hundreds of plant medicines that will alter your biochemistry and make it inhospitable for a pregnancy to continue. My favorites, personally, with my body, is blue and black coash with Angelica sinensis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the Latin right, Don Quai or Angelica. Mm. Um. It's not, the specific plants are not as important as the biochemical properties that they carry. And so you want to be taking plants, working with plant medicines that are inhibiting your progesterone directly, increasing your estrogen, Mm -hmm. and increasing oxytocin and circulation. And so there are infinite combinations of plant medicines that can do that. Okay. Anything that is labeled an amenagogue, amenagogues are on the, the scale of mild to really strong. And many of them have these qualities. Um, there's a really great resource, um, Natural Liberty is the best, most in-depth plant medicine education that I know of. Cool. Um, And it's under the premise of abortion, but on this um, spectrum of, or continuum of education that I'm discussing here, everything that would inhibit an implantation, if you take it before you miss a period, has the potential also to expel an established pregnancy. Okay. It's the same plants. It's the same education. And what I recommend and practice myself is that if you would desire to have plant allies on your team for a potential implantation inhibition or abortion in the case of an emergency is that you start studying and spending time with and ingesting these plants in much smaller doses in your premenstrual week every month. 
so that you develop an, a personal relationship and you understand the energetics. You know, in the belief system that plants are sentient and plants are elders, this this feeling of like you're developing your community and your family that you would turn to if you needed help. Aww, and that you're that. not like calling people up in the middle Strangers. of Strangers. You're like, what the, I'm freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. You're just like, hey, you know, I would really like to menstruate. And then that there's also just a very different thing, both physically and psychologically. When we're inhibiting implantation, um, what I encourage is that you work with those plants really intensely in the premenstrual week so that instead of interrupting a natural cycle, we're supporting one. Instead of being like, I'm afraid of pregnancy, I don't want to be pregnant, framing it as like, I love menstruating, I'm excited to menstruate. Mm -hmm. And you're working with these plants to make sure that that's what your body is going to do next, that it's not going to be nourishing this little blastocyst, turning it into an embryo, that Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm ready to menstruate. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Um, understanding all of our options for how to end a pregnancy or how to expel a partial miscarriage, um, would be our next chapter. (laughs) I love the simplicity of, it's just so valuable that what you're talking about of that, that two week ish period Obviously, ideally, we're using that not routinely, but for emergencies and for the oopsies and and obviously, yeah. you know, all of that. I think, yeah, you made such a good point of making that really clear. This is not like a monthly practice, no. uh, not at all. But I really like um, the simplicity of remembering that when we're tuned in and when we've created internal resources and, and allied, you know, plant medicine, that um, the simplicity of it really is to just change your hormones essentially, right? You're just changing your hormones or assisting them to be different so that a pregnancy does not occur. Um, Because like you said, it's such a specific, I forget the word you use, but it's such a specific environment um, that it, that the body needs in order to implant successfully. And so to, um, to alter that with intention um, and with clarity, um, I just love that. That's such a profoundly different way of thinking about this. It's really cool. Right. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I call it the sacred yes. And I'll, I guess I'll diverge for a moment of philosophy from, from the anatomy and physiology because I use this conversation about the sacred yes and the sacred no uh, in contraception and abortion conversations in my classes and with my clients all the time. And this reality that when we are avoiding or ending a pregnancy, we are not doing that in a vacuum because we're anti-baby. We're doing that because there is something else that we want to conceive and gestate and birth and nourish. And while our no is powerful and our no is sacred, really claiming and identifying what our yes is, is the medicine that is needed to help heal these experiences And that especially in a contraception practice that like identifying what you want to bring your fertile energy to. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also when we're choosing to end a pregnancy, being able to really own 
and honor and love what it is that we do want to bring into the, the, the world. It's just so feminine. It's so feminine and so wise and refreshing. Yeah, Balance. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so then let's move into concluding a miscarriage. Is that what yeah. you, that was what it was? And then, yeah. yeah. And what happens once implantation has occurred. And so maybe somebody um, sees the, the positive on the pregnancy test and is like, yep. oh, fuck. Yep. Um, and so whether we're in or out of a clinical setting, right, I believe that um, rather than making a statement of like, only we should do this at home or like you failed if you in, enter clinical system, et cetera, that I'm framing it with the physiology um, in purely like understanding that the the systemic abuse of, of us, right. <laughs> of our bodies and our choices in the system is pervasive. Um, understanding that the industry right? Because medis- like the medical industry is an industry. It's not a healing modality. Right. <laughs> it's, but it does have really, <laughs> it has really useful tools. Right. And I think that we can be conscious consumers of the goods and services from that industry. In, in so. theory. And yet, because oh, it's gosh, so oppressive, yeah. Yeah. there's no way to know, just like with birth, there's no way to know if you're going to be treated with respect and it's autonomy true. when you yeah. go in for your surgical abortion, you know, yeah. it's, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how many it's trauma true. stories we, we hold of, of women we know who, who have had just horrible, horrible abortions. Um, even though maybe they're only there for in, in the actual, you know, clinical setting for what, you know, the, the surgicals are only like 15, 20 minutes, but yeah, that can, can totally mess them up because of the way they're treated. It's so, so intense. It's hard to be yeah, conscious consumers of an, an, of an abusive. Inherently abusive. Yeah. Dynamic. Amen. Yeah. A woman, aho, however you want to language it. And also just always a, like bringing in an expanded perspective. Like I was a patient advocate at Planned Parenthood. I attended four to five clinical procedures a day on my volunteer shifts um, for a couple of years. And I can say without any doubt that the clinical abortions that I supported were all like by and large way more humane and peaceful than the hospital births I attended. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. where we had volunteers in LA, um, that clinic was amazing and mm-hmm. they, they were kind. Like, and my first clinical abortion that yeah. I supported was like a moon fairy nurse midwife, like of Asian descent, this like tiny woman with a round face and literally moon earrings. Oh, wait, the one having the abortion? No, the woman giving the abortion, gotcha. the nurse midwife who Aww. was performing the procedures. And she was like, so magical and gentle. And that's the thing. And and I'm kind of a broken record about this. It's not that there aren't wonderful, loving people people in the system, system, but the system is abusive. And so it doesn't mean that there aren't wonderful people trying to make it work within an inherently abusive system. And that's the whole problem, right? Is you don't know what you're going to fucking get. And that makes me very nervous. But anyway, so yeah. yes, of course they ideally would just be tools that we can use. Like you said, everyone deserves that and access to that. Um, 
Right. Episode, well, and like, I include those converse, that conversation here. And I, I completely agree with you that the, the structure of the system is inherently horribly abusive and the power dynamics are gross. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's um, get into. So anatomy and physiology yeah. of abortion to help demystify it. Um, and this also all miscarriages, the medical terminology, the clinical terminology for miscarriage is abortion. Every single type of a miscarriage is technically an abortion. An abortion is when what was in the uterus that was pregnancy moves out of the uterus. Whether it happens spontaneously or on purpose, the anatomy and physiology education that we all need as individuals to make intelligent decisions and as care providers to support the people that we're providing is the same whether it is deliberate or just a physiologic spontaneous release of a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said before, many spontaneous miscarriages are partial and then all of the same education applies Mm -hmm. to safely empty the uterus. Mm -hmm. So dividing our options into two different uh, categories The first one we have discussed a little bit already with plants, but the first category is chemical. And chemical means of abortion are when you alter the biochemistry of your body so that it moves the contents of your uterus out. It's an inside job. Mm -hmm. You're changing the endocrine system function And you're manipulating the nerves and muscles of your body through chemical disruption. The other category is physical. And that is using the laws of physics to remove tissue from the uterus through suction. Mm -hmm. The methods by which we can have a chemical and a physical or a physical abortion can be, for the most part, most of them can be safely employed in or out of a clinical setting. Um, When we're talking about a chemical abortion, we already discussed plant medicine a little bit, um, and I will rename those three actions that are ideal to be working with when we're working with Materia Medica to alter our biochemistry, to change our hormones so that we're not pregnant or not able to sustain a pregnancy. We want to inhibit progesterone, increase estrogen, and increase oxytocin, which causes contractions. Um, The pills that can do this that are offered by the clinical model of care and are also very, very widely available online, um, the website Plan C, Uh, is probably the most expansive directory of online providers. And there's been a lot of media around this organization Aid Access recently, if people want to learn more about that. Um, And the implementation of telemedicine to give access to the abortion pills. And Um, is that Miffy and Miso that you're buying online? Yeah. Yep. And sorry, this sounds so ignorant, but I didn't know that was legal in America. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like I knew underground wise it happened, but so is that, 
currently, of course, that could change any freaking moment, but like currently plans. Mm. So when the FDA has just asked aid access to cease and desist, they're in the middle of a thing, but just for educating yourself about the options and that this is like a massive NGO at plan C, I wouldn't say massive, but it's like a well-established NGO that is out there publicly. Are they located in the States? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Badass. Yes. Um, Also worth mentioning the SIA legal team, which is out of Berkeley, California. Um, SIA stands for self-induced abortion. Mm. And so they have a really wonderful staff that are available for legal counsel or care um, for anybody who is wanting to um, consider their options or if they needed help and were under persecution. Wow. Okay. So chemistry versus physical. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it back to the the pills. I want people to understand how the pills work. And so um, the standard clinical practice of the abortion pill is two different drugs. Mifeprestone is the first drug. It is not FDA approved for abortion. Um, It's an anti-cancer medication. Anti-cancer medication that interferes with folic acid production and the health of the embryo. Um, You take that medication first to stop the embryo from growing anymore. It terminates the growth of the pregnancy. And then they will send you home with the misoprostol pills, um, which are usually taken in a few different doses. Mm And misoprostol, also not FDA approved for anything related to uteruses or pregnancy. It's a stomach ulcer medication. Mm-hmm. And that one affects the smooth muscles in your body, which your uterus is made of smooth muscle tissue, and it will contract the smooth muscles of your body. Uh, you know, uh, you know, for everyone listening, obviously induction, a... Yep. a- core, a, a pillar of induction is cytotech, um, which now we're talking about it in this other way of it, um, of it, what's the right word? Well, yeah. it's the same of, way we're talking about abortion, and then creating it's creating exactly. contractions in the smooth muscles of your body, which are your uterus. And I so- wonder though, because cytotech, um, has been getting more, you know, more publicity for killing women. Yeah. I wonder Whew. how that works. Mm-hmm. If it has the same risks, taking it if 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 you know take when you take it is irrelevant to the mortality statistics. That's something we should look up, or that I'm just now thinking about because you know I I've only ever really heard about it killing women in inductions with term babies. You know, wow, and of course yes. I'm not saying this lightly at all. It's just a horrific fact, um, and it's not FDA approved. Not as if we would even trust the FDA, but even still, the fact that it's not even technically legally supposed to be used and yet it's being used all over um, for in hospitals with term babies and also for women in in the clinical setting um, to release a pregnancy. Um, Anyway, so I'm curious about that one because of the, the the, the reality that it has serious side effects. And, and I guess my question, I'm not expecting you to know is, mm-hmm. does it have the same level of risk in an early pregnancy as it does in a term? Or if that might, that I might don't be think so. irrelevant. I don't think that it does. Um, one really great resource for looking into it further uh, would be IPAS, the I, IPAS.org, International Provider of Abortion Supplies, I think okay. is the 
Um, and they're kind of like the World Health Organization of abortion access oh, cool. and medication and tools. Um, and because they work so much with third world co- populations uh, and community health work- workers, they have a lot of data. Cool. Um, and really ho- like more holistic information about like what is actually safe rather than what is politically condoned. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Right? Um, about abortion. And so they they have the stat um, that mesoprostal abortion alone without mifeprestone is seen to be about 80% effective, hmm. which is quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mesoprostol is part of the pharmacopoeia that many home midwives right. can carry. And what I have seen some people do is work with plant medicine and mesoprostol mm-hmm. to avoid needing to go to a clinic. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense. Another thing worth mentioning as we're discussing mesoprostol and knowing all your options is that um, the clinic recommends putting the pills between your gums and your cheek. And they don't often tell people that there's an option to put them next to your cervix. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to work a lot slower and can take up to a day or longer. When but women, it, women can't be trusted with putting something inside them without a medical Women can't touch there. themselves. They don't what? know where their cervixes are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course they can't put pills up there. And the reality of most people wanting to do this, get it over in a day, go back to work, taking, yeah. putting them in your mouth does make the medication work a lot harder and faster. Mm. But it then goes through your entire digestive system and... Mm is most likely going to contract your stomach and your intestines a lot more intensely than if you place them next to your cervix. So when you say next, um, can you give me a little bit more of an idea of what that means next, like, but before the cervix or in it or as far up as you can get it, you want to like nestle it between your vaginal wall and cervix. So like, like a tampon. Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't put a tampon that high up. <laughs> <laughs> like a giant tampon that goes all the way through your Little body. Pills. Okay, so, right. A tampon yeah. does not go into your cervix, right? You just okay. want to so, feel and try and tuck it between the vaginal wall and the cervix if you okay. are able. Got it. Um, so that's just another option, whether, mm-hmm. like, wherever you source your mesoprostol, just knowing that it's an option mm-hmm. and tends to have less vomiting Mm. and intestinal cramping, um, but has a much slower onset, but statistically equally effective, Mm. if not more. Um, So that's covering all the chemical options that I know of. I'm sure there are other biochemical ways to end a pregnancy. How late in the game is it appropriate Mm -hmm. to try that? stuff whereas like do you have a cutoff opinion around so, yeah you know I have I have a teacher who's taken quite who's worked with a lot of, of people with plants and she's seen plants alone be only 40 percent effective and usually that's around the five or six week mark very very early 
Um, as I said before, I've seen plants be really great at inhibiting right. implantation. I've met, like also none of those pregnancies were confirmed right. by a P test because they were way before. Right. So like, who knows? Yeah. But I trust, I trust women. I trust people that know when they ovulate and think that they conceived. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or it sounds, but it also sounds like, yeah, like what we're talking about preventative. the possibility yeah. of conception. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not even that somebody has to be like, I think I conceived. Like if, if you're hearing that and feeling insecure about what that might even feel like, like, totally. like you said, Samantha, that even if sperm finds its way into your yoni, you can then, um, and if you know you're in your fertile window, yep. you can then exercise these and you don't even need to know if, if, um, if conception occurred or not. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And of course there are pills on the market too for emergency contraception, but that's right. a whole other conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at what point do we start Miso, to get into up to like, thirteen oh. weeks? Oh wow! Okay. Yep. Oh right, and I knew that. Okay. Yeah. That's from IPASS. That's yeah. from the international health um, sort of lens, and I I'm pretty sure that they cut it off way earlier in clinical care settings in the United yeah. States. Okay, so um, then we're getting into the physical options. Yeah. Um, which. You know, for so many years, people have been reaching out to me, specifically wanting support with herbal abortion under the grossly inaccurate impression that herbal abortion would be more gentle mm. or more natural, right? Well, yeah, They're like, says herbal. I'm, yeah. I'm in an alternative, right? Like, I want a gentle, I want a natural abortion actually is the language that a lot of people use when they're mm. reaching out to me wanting herbal abortions. That'd be nice um, <laughs> if that existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, well, and well, then I take those through, like, here's the chemical versus mechanical. Right. Um, and there are many reasons why an individual would not want a mechanical abortion. Um, very like whatever their personal boundaries are, they're not comfortable with any sort of penetration. They hate speculums regardless of the setting. I respect that. I would also say that my understanding of our bodies, that our nervous systems and our endocrine systems are the boss of, of bodies, <laughs> um, that they are inherently capable of reestablishing homeostasis and wanting to heal themselves um, internally. And that a mechanical abortion to me actually seems less physically traumatic for most like in terms of just physiology we're not talking about individuals and social contexts and nuances which are all super important but when you mechanically remove the tissue from the body I believe like oh okay (laughs) exactly I really believe that our nervous systems and our endocrine systems are like, oh crap, we had like a little wound there, basically. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. tissue was disrupted. One of our processes was interrupted. Like how do we reach homeostasis again? Back to balance. And that it starts that healing process, especially when we have support in our lifestyle choices, or we're also working with plant medicine um, and acupuncture, great for absolutely everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Any of these processes, uh, whether it's mechanical or chemical. Um, but yeah, that the body is able to be like, oh, we need to, we need to start healing. Whereas when you use a chemical process, whether it's plants 
or pills, um, that your body has to process this substance and it's affecting your digestive system. It's affecting your liver and your kidneys and totally changing your biochemistry. And you have to process all those substances in addition to then self-inflicting this wound. Uh, yes, and two, totally. And two things there. One, there's no such thing as a natural abortion. A natural abortion is a miscarriage, right? A right. Nat- if we're talking about nature and biology right. making those choices for us, that is what a miscarriage literally is. I mean, and also respecting that our psyches are part of nature and our choice to totally. have to end a pregnancy. I honestly, I mean, that's that's my personal beliefs and like out of the range of of physiology is that like our psyches and our willpower is nature. So exactly for sure. What we want to do is natural. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, but just like speaking to that, you know, people being like one, a natural abortion is like, we have to ally to biology and to the truth of what is occurring. um, And that we are going to interrupt that process and hopefully done with great intention and with our own forces of nature, that is part of the the magic and brilliance of being a woman today, you know, and having reclaiming this kind of knowledge that we can use our own force of nature to override a biological experience we don't want. I mean, that's fucking magic. You know, that is something that most women around the world don't have, unfortunately. Right. Um, But then the other thing I was going to speak to or just mention was, you know, I totally hear you that the, the physical, um, the physical was the mechanical, yeah, mechanical. Uh-huh. would be, um, for lack of a better word, kind of optimal or, or, or less traumatic, you know, it, in just in terms of the body rebalancing and my, my kind of response to that is like, and you already know this, but I think that it's that women don't have access to that outside of the clinic, right? So if right. if like menstrual extraction or if there all of go. these things yeah. yeah, were available to women, right. um, of course, I think most women would choose that once they understood it. Obviously, I'm going to guess most women listening to this episode right now have never heard of what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, most people, I would say, as you already know, are growing up with our only options for pregnancy release is to find those pills. If I don't want to go into the clinic, you know, to find a way to do the pills. And so I'm, I'm excited to get into this next conversation because, um, I know there's underground communities of women learning these, um, tools to support women, um, in home to experience mechanical pregnancy release. And, um, and yeah, it's part of the international, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the language, like statutes or principles for midwives, proficiency. It's like one of, I forget how many, there's like several, somewhere under a dozen basic proficiencies of midwifery care includes manual vacuum aspiration. Oh yeah. Midwives are, my understanding is that midwives are legally allowed to do it, but you will be hard pressed to find one because of the social oppression around it. And And they're they're not trained. But sometimes they are. The midwife I apprenticed for totally was, uh, but she did not do it. She wouldn't do it. Hell no. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, mechanical options, um, menstrual extraction, yeah, talk about that since probably mm-hmm. most people have never heard that. Yeah, Carol Downer and Lorraine Rothman uh, and a, a bunch of their friends in Los Angeles, California in the late 60s 
developed a method to gently remove your endometrium between 20 minutes and an hour. Um, and they practiced it every month. Um, so yeah, menstrual extraction, it was, it's a self-care, it's a home remedy, <laughs> right? It's not a, it's not a clinical procedure. Right. It's a home remedy and what is for it? when you want your endometrium to not be in your uterus anymore, regardless of if there's a blastocyst or an embryo that is nestled into that endometrium. Um, it's not appropriate beyond six or seven weeks after a conception or implantation has occurred. Um, and mostly that is because of the size of the cannulas, which are the little straws that are inserted into the opening of the cervix. Mm. Um, that after six or seven weeks of gestation, you need a much larger cannula and it would be painful to do that without lidocaine or some kind of numbing um, and dilating the cervix beyond what is comfortable and easy to do at home for most people that don't have medical tools or training. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they menstrual extraction, the book, A New View of a Woman's Body. It's an out of print book, but it is still available. You can find it on Amazon and used bookstores. Um, has very detailed instructions and lists of supplies for menstrual extraction. I've never actually seen the tool that's used. Is it? I picture it like a like a thing that fills up a balloon animal. <laughs> It's really just like a straw. It's a straw, okay. It's a straw that has a little round snub nose, and then it's got two openings, one on either side of the straw, underneath that rounded snub nose. And then it's just like a manual suction? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually on Wikipedia. You can see the whole kit there. Cool, I'm going to look. You just look it up. Um, and it's attached to tubing, which is then attached to a ball jar and more tubing, and then a one-way valve so that you cannot press air back up into the uterus, which is dangerous yeah. and can cause embolism, uh, and then a syringe on the other side of that one-way valve. Um, and pretty much everything except for the cannulas can be sourced at a pet store or a canning supply store to build a menstrual extraction kit. And the idea is that it, I guess the piece I'm missing is how does it get all of it out and get a, and it probably doesn't or get the pregnancy out, which is obviously the, yeah, it's unlikely that it's, it's, you may or may not be able to remove a pregnancy with it, but you will definitely be able to disrupt the endometrium significantly and remove a considerable amount of the endometrium that will likely help induce a miscarriage. Gotcha. If not, certainly. And of course, you can examine what is found um, to see if the tissue of a pregnancy is pretty distinct from endometrium and blood. Um, it's creamy or pink hmm. or tan usually. Um, 
and all of that is needed for any aspect any any of these um, releases you're needing to to be able to recognize what is the difference of the tissue of a pregnancy versus just blood and endometrium mm-hmm. um so yeah menstrual extraction is an option that is not you know that's it's it's a home remedy for bringing on your period is what it is that's why it's called menstrual extraction <laughs> and not abortion but isn't and, it a home remedy for getting rid of your period right or pulling out your period um and that's what carol and her circle of friends did they actually didn't use it as a method of contraception or abortion um, as much as just remove their menstruation every month so that they would have proficiency and ease and data um, for its safety and have the skill available should they need to use it for ending a pregnancy. Okay. Um, Are there any other physical options outside of the clinical setting? Menstrual extraction and manual vacuum aspiration can be done outside of a clinical setting, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that tool is a specific medical instrument. Right. And, and that's the thing that would license to should. order it. Right. Um, but again, yes, it's part of what home birth midwives should have as in their toolkit. Mm-hmm. Um and then, yeah, the, the clinical options are dilation and evacuation, which is suction, and that's usually up to about 12 weeks, and or dilation and curatage, which is scraping, and then suction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I guess the, the last piece I wanted to make sure we felt like we were bringing home was mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the episode you had mentioned... Uh, that some miscarriages are not completed by themselves. Yeah. And so can you kind of elaborate on what that means and how someone could know that if they chose um if they chose to have a a you know unassisted um miscarriage, miscarriage. at home and yeah. um you know if they began bleeding at home or you know earlier mm-hmm. in their pregnancy and they were like okay I'm just going to roll with this um yeah. What are, and if it's new to that person, what, what does it, how do we know if it's completed um, or what are things that can assist in assuring it's completed? Kind of speak to that whole process. Besides your normal period returning. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's without ultrasound, it's really difficult to be conclusive unless mm-hmm. you have a return of your normal menstrual cycle. There's so much around body awareness and intuition and like what that individual's threshold for the mystery is and for understanding um, the risks um, and the symptoms around infection or hemorrhage and how long they're willing to wait Mm -hmm. as an individual, that they're completely individual choices and that they're not meant to be made in isolation. Right, even if you're not wanting to be in a clinical setting, having some sort of a healing ally or care provider, whether they call themselves a doula or a midwife or it's just a friend who's there to witness and support you and help walk you through the risks and benefits of your different options. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer for how you know oh, okay. that it's complete, other than just like the normal 
symptoms that like have your pregnancy symptoms left? Did you see a distinct massive tissue? Did you see the embryo or the fetus or the placental sac? Um, are you bleeding what is within a normal amount or are you dumping blood or hemorrhaging? Is that because it's, it's completely unique and intuition. And, um, regardless of any method, I again, want to say that acupuncture and herbs to support any and all of these processes, um, are extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. And, I also just want to mention as, as much as I'm like, yeah, let's ground this in anatomy and physiology that like psychic abortions do work. And personally, I, the people that I have supported who have chosen to use plant medicines with their pregnancy releases at home, um, most of them did deep ritual and meditation and some of them like the plants that they were using are not strong enough or biochemically going to do what, what we just talked about. And they were just like, I really feel like they were spiritual and psychic aids and that we're hyperdimensional beings and the mind body connection is so much more profound than we es can understand. Especially when the ritual and intention and psychic psychic force is rooted in love, you know, not from the space of fear right. and, oh, yes. my God, how can I have this baby? We don't have the money. We get, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't want this baby. I don't want this baby. I don't find those psychic abortions work. <laughs> I have a, a, a sticker on my computer that says um, something like, um, use your power towards love or something like that. Use your, use your force towards love yeah. and power, you know? And, and so kind of going back to your, the, one of the, the points sacred. That, yes. Yeah, yeah. In the earlier, in the earlier conversation of, you know, there's a way to use your force and your psychic abilities, um, towards exactly towards the sacred. Yes. Of, um, the yes of your no. Right. And so yeah. there's something, I think w when the power is used towards the force of love, um, you know, you have the whole universe in your favor when you're calling on that, on that power, um, versus a, a very fear-based kind of scarcity, kind of like more mental, um, chaos. Um, totally. Anyway, and I'm always and afraid to even say that because I don't want people to like self-shame themselves and be like, I'm not powerful enough. I didn't want it badly enough, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, We're not I'm saying really that. a really big fan of specifically addressing mind, body, and spirit, like right. not leaving any of those out when you're making a choice for anything, but right. pregnancy release, like making sure that you are covering all of the bases, well, not I guess just one of them. The, and the reason I brought that up is that I have, I've known many women who <laughs> said they were a no and that they wanted an abortion. They didn't want the pregnancy and it was rooted in um, fear and scarcity and all of this stuff. And then underneath that they discover, and that's fine, period, right there. That's enough. Like you have an abortion for any possible reasons you want it. Absolutely. You know, that's none of anybody else's business. Um, and I guess my point was that I've known a lot of women who their no was rooted in 
fear and scarcity and all this other stuff. But, but actually underneath that was a yes of very much wanting the pregnancy, but being scared of how it would work out. Mm -hmm. And then in reverse, I think to your point of psychic ability, like when your no is embodied, when you're when you're absolutely not now to this pregnancy is fully embodied on every level. Um, and there's no battle around it. It is a full bodied yes to the no. Yeah. That's when I've seen, um, like what you just kind of pointed to. I've seen yeah. absolutely like I have seen women will away a pregnancy for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've even done it contraceptive which is not as impressive because it was pre-physical. Oh. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not. It you are God. Interest, You're but, impressive. But I've totally, I mean, up until, up until I called my child in and now I'm again mm-hmm. doing it, not wanting another child now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every time that yes. I ever had sex. Uh, and yes. sometimes I would freaking feel them like oh, over yeah. my shoulders, like, Hey, like knock, knock, knock. And I'd be like, Hey, oh, yeah. absolutely fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. So, and that, that about sums that up is what I'm wanting to dispel <laughs> is that like the practical information about the anatomy and physiology of how we can avoid or end pregnancies in or out of a clinical model, but specifically with plant medicine, which is like our birthright and our ancestral knowledge to be able to have access to this information, like the, the suppression of that information and how dangerous and scary it is. I really respect that, especially folks that have licenses, but it really comes back to that whole licensing and structural thing. Like, right. I have no licensing and I have no certification and I think what I think what a lot of people come up against is the concern. I mean, I've heard a lot of women say this. The concern is what if I try with plant medicines and I like distort the baby and then I have a weird little monster baby that I've um, you know, that I like fucked up trying to get rid yeah, of it, but then I, I'm not successful because my entire life I've been taught not to trust myself and plants, yeah. but to only trust the clinic and the the white man in the lab coat. And so now I'm interested in this at home situation, but what if it doesn't work and I fucked up the pregnancy and then I've missed the window. Um, and now I'm stuck with this like weird messed up pregnancy. I think that's a, I think that's like at the root of a lot of concerns of people I've spoken with. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And then, I mean, having a backup plan is really important again, going back to this reality of like, there are goods and services available in the medical industry. That but not to everyone, out. right? I mean, I know lots of women who do not have access to, to abortion uh, for, uh, for a lot of reasons. And yeah, it's great for you and I, we could try it. And if it fucks up or if it doesn't take, we can just yeah. go get surgical. Um, yeah. Not that that's a casual thing, but it's, it's available to people mm-hmm. like you and I. And for women who it's not available to like that, um, understandably, I think there's a, but uh, there's a concern of what if it doesn't take and then have I like messed up this totally thing. anyway, not that we have answers to that, but no, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, this is, I, I think this, you know, this is so important and it's the start of a huge conversation. Um, right. and there's so much more to say, you know, this was just kind of some of the overview to get our listeners thinking about this stuff and knowing, um, hopefully feeling some confidence in, um, in, in resourcing more information around this. And so, mm-hmm. um, for anyone who is feeling really, um, stoked about, about what you've brought up, where can they go to learn about you and, and dive into what you're offering? Right. So I have a website that is my name. It's Samantha 
Zipporah, Z-I-P-P-O-R-A-H.com. Um, I also have a Patreon page and I have a lot of, um, I have some free lectures on there on conscious contraception and a lot of the materials for my abortion and miscarriage support course are on my Patreon page. Um, I'm overly active on Instagram, <laughs> quite transparent, uh, and personal there. Um, and your and handle is just your name, right? It's just my name. Yep. Samantha Zipporah. And yeah, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I'm doing a conscious contraception Skillshare online that starts at the beginning of May. Cool. And I do have some teaching engagements in Northern California at the end of April um, right. that folks can check out on my website, on Facebook. And lastly, going back to the, the fact that I have my little punk teenaged ovulation zine. That's awesome. Um, the free download on my website also. And yeah, thank you so much for inviting this conversation onto your platform. And, you know, if we don't know what our options are, we don't have any. Yep. (sighs) That is sadly true. Reclaiming and sharing this, this information without fear of, of persecution uh, is, is such a powerful act. So thank you for, I mean, we have to do it. Engaging. Our our ancestors were not given that, that option. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for the wisdom. And I think this is going to ignite a lot of interest um, for the people that listen to this podcast. So thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the free birth podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember your body, your choice, lots of love.